0: And so by leaving it there and just getting a little baby bit, you're losing money and you're losing your purchasing power Mm -hmm. over time. So that's why you don't want to keep more, I don't even think your entire emergency fund in your checking account, but yeah, a lot of women do that. They keep their money in a checking account because of fear. Mm -hmm. Women are more scared and risk averse than men. That just is what it is. And we have to talk about it. We have to deal with it, but you're not alone in wanting to do that. and. What I would say to market crashing is that we have recovered in US history from every single recession and depression we've ever had. This is what the markets do. Mm -hmm. Markets go up, markets go down. You don't get off in the middle of a roller coaster. You sign up, you take the ride, Mm -hmm. buy the ticket, take the ride, put the the flyers on. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, good to know. Have you noticed any trends, I guess, that would indicate anything predictive? Like, are there any trends, like, with inflation matched with the real estate market or something? Like, is there anything that you're sort of looking out for where you're like, huh, this seems Mm. a little worrisome? The most worrisome factors to the equity markets or the stock markets are geopolitical shocks and black swan events. And that's just what economists people call events that you can't account for and things that aren't measured like unemployment rates, which are lagging indicators or inflation or other metrics like, um, you know, consumer prices or whatever economists are looking at to predict. A random, you know, terrorist attack or something like that is going to fuck up the markets more than studying all of these other Mm. economic indicators. And so, you know, the war, that's why you're seeing a lot of issues with the market for the war in Ukraine because markets hate uncertainty. We saw this for the presidential election. Markets didn't care like who the president was. They just wanted a president. And so markets respond Mm -hmm. the best that way. But again, if you're doing long term investing and you're doing something called dollar cost averaging, which is basically putting in little bits of money. At consistent intervals, like I was mentioning, you can do with direct deposit, then you are accounting for the general levels for that period of time. So you're not worried about buying high or buying low. You know, the one adage and truism on Wall Street is buy low, sell high. The problem is that we don't know when the high is and we don't know when the low is. So, dollar cost averaging, like for easy math, let's say you had. Twelve thousand dollars, you would put instead of twelve thousand dollars in the market. One day, you would put a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks Mm -hmm. a month, Mm -hmm. and so you would, you know, basically get the average of what those twelve months did instead of you know hoping that you were doing it on the best day. Mm -hmm. So, if you put twelve thousand in in one large sum, you wouldn't have the benefit of the compound interest that you would get by doing a thousand over twelve months, right? Or no? No, you would more just risk buying at uh, a super low of where the market level is. So, you know, let's say the market is at uh, 20000 mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, then over the year, it could go up to 21000 It could go down to $18,000. So that's what mm-hmm. markets do. They mm-hmm. jump around. And so on that specific day that you're going to put that money in, you don't know mm-hmm. in the range because you don't have the benefit of the perspective yeah. of the whole year to know when to jump in. Got so it. that's why instead uh, I would put uh, more money in more frequently, mm-hmm. so that you're hedging for the fluctuations Not of where at. you're buying in. Okay. okay, got it. I think there's an energetic too with that,
1: where Tell you're me like more.
0: continuing to put more, like continuously investing in anything, whether yeah. you're working out or a relationship, or yeah. you know you're kind of continuing to nod to that as like an important part of your life yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i also think you know the automation is so important because i feel like we have especially we as women have so many things that we have to like manage think about if people want to set goals how how much goal setting is healthy how do you recommend that people set goals because i i do find inspiration and motivation when i set financial goals but sometimes i get overwhelmed so is it the big goals is it the small goals how do you approach financial goals? I like to break them down into one, three, five, seven, ten-year increments. So in Rich Bitch, I talked about the three E's: so essentials, endgame, and extras. Where seventy percent of what you're making goes to your food, your housing, your transportation, all that, and then fifteen percent to the fun stuff, the extras, and then fifteen percent to the endgame. So Miss Independent really zones in and double clicks on the end game part Mm -hmm. and says, okay, well, here's what you do with that amount. But goals have price tags. So I do love a good reverse engineer to figure out what you want and then figure out how to get the money to live that life. And also realize that some of the things are not as expensive or out of reach as you think when you finally tally it up. So if you want a private plane, like even go to the most extreme, or if you want a helicopter or whatever, and you think I could never get that, well, really ask yourself, like, do you want a helicopter twice a year? Do you Are you really going to use it? Could you mm. rent it? And if so, let's break that down into small increments and figure out how to get that. So figuring out the spirit of what you want and then figuring out the financials to get to that spirit is really important versus saying, like, I just want a million dollars.